Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 29 for me and season 25 for Amanda. And this is day 24 of season 97, the penultimate day. <laughs> Our first question asks... Uh... Sorry. <laughs> asks us for a location referenced in songs by Ray Charles... Vicki Lawrence, and Gladys Knight and the Pips. Yes. Sorry about that. I had pulled up the wrong email to try to look <laughs> at it. Um, and so when I see Ray Charles, 1960, and a location, I think immediately about Georgia on my mind. Um, the other ones, I assume one of these is a version of The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. I believe that was Vicki Lawrence's big hit, yes. Right. Um and I'm not certain of the, the Gladys Knight one, but I thought that's those two out of three ought to do it. Um, and was pretty confident that this would be Georgia. I tried to think, could it be a city like Atlanta? Um, you know, could it be some other location? Like what other location could I picture Ray Charles singing about? Um, none really mo more so than Georgia. So that's what I ended up putting down. Uh yeah, same. Except for me, the trigger was Vicki Lawrence. Ah. A Vicki Lawrence song is, as far as I know, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Sure. Uh, then I sort of backfilled in, oh yeah, Ray Charles definitely was Georgia on my mind. Mm -hmm. I believe the Gladys Knight and the Pips song was Midnight Train to Georgia? Oh, sure. Yeah. That's all I could think of. Yep. So, yeah, I immediately thought Georgia on this one. And that was the correct answer. Question two asks us for the name of a borosilicate glass that's used in domestic and scientific settings and was named after, at least apocryphally, um, the use of its first sample to prepare a sweet dish. Sweet dish is a very odd way of saying it. Yes. So rule two kind of comes into effect here. What is Thorsten not saying? Does he believe that dessert is going to give it away too much? Is it some other form of sweet thing that's just weird enough that if he said, if he said anything more precise, it would completely give it away? Um, anyway, this was for probably a solid hour today. I was trying to figure <laughs> out this can't be Pyrex, right? Because <laughs> Pyrex is pyre, like in fire, like in spark. That's what it's named after. Obviously, <laughs> it's about flame. It's not about pie. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But for lack of anything else, and believe me, I tried to come up with anything. I like Corning, Tupperware, just <laughs> an, anything, anything to please come up with. And just, you know, is there is there a, a Cobblerex? No. Is there <laughs> a, a Banana Splitifus? No. Just kept coming back and thinking, it's got to be Pyrex. It's all I can, it's all I can uh, imagine it being. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. very hesitantly, I answered Pyrex. Yeah, this one, um, you know, being the sibling of a professor of material <laughs> science does have its benefits um, with questions like this. So, borosilicate glass, we just had a discussion about this mm -hmm. on the family Zoom, because <laughs> that's the kind of family Zoom we have. Yeah. Um, and talking about how the new Pyrex isn't quite the same. Right. You know, quality is some of the older mm -hmm. um, style, or, or rather, I think made in America versus China was kind of one of the main differences. I thought they still made um, it here, but they had uh, definitely changed the formula. Yes. 
Um, and, and so it's, it's maybe not quite as um, strongly heat resistant as it used to be, at least for the domestic side mm-hmm. things. You know, I don't know what the scientific side would be mm-hmm. uh, like in comparison. Um, but I was pretty sure as soon as I see borosilicate glass, it's going to be asking about Pyrex. But the sweet dish part did throw me for a while until, because I was thinking of, of pyre as well for mm-hmm. the, the fire part. And I think that was probably just a, a punny opportunity, you know, to use that uh, vowel, uh, of to use the Y in there. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take me long to kind of flip my perception of it to be like, oh, pie racks, like mm-hmm. a pie plate or a, a glass pie dish, which you can... You know, you can buy Pyrex pie plates or pie pans or whatever you want to call them. Um, That was another thing. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. So to my, all of my experience with Pyrex is like the the kind of rectangular Mm. uh, sort of casserole dishes. So. I think you are thinking of Corningware. Could be. Perhaps. Um, But like the uh, measuring cups are also often Pyrex. Yeah, we have a bunch of those. Um, We have a bunch of those. Um, but I could like, once I kind of pictured, oh yeah, the, those, you know, glass pie dishes that with the Pyrex, you know, name on them, um, then I was kind of like, okay, that's, Mm -hmm. that, that's also a cute pun, at least pronunciation wise. Um, and then I was pretty certain that the correct answer was Pyrex. So I put that down. And that was correct. Question three asks us for the first names of two Happy Days characters named Takahashi and Del Vecchio. So these were the two owners of Arnold's, which was the soda fountain type diner on on the show. And one of the uh, memorable, at least to me, parts of that, like uh, Arnold himself was Arnold Takahashi and was the original owner. And then uh, Al Del Vecchio was the guy who came in and took over the place and had to shoot some commercials where he specifically would say, hi, I'm Al of Arnold's, which just, you know, was kind of a funny mm-hmm. um, uh, way to introduce that fact and, and make note of the fact that somehow Arnold's is owned by a guy named Al, which, you know, which admittedly as a child watching the show kind of threw me off. Because I was like, how is Al a nickname for Arnold? That doesn't make any sense. Even though the letters are right there in the name. Yeah. but And yet... It makes as much, if not way more sense than a lot of nicknames. <laughs> this is true. Um, but as a kid, I, I you mm-hmm. know, of course, you, you feel sure. it, things should be a little more directly literal than that. Um, and so, you know, I... Yeah, this is another... Gen X fastball down the middle. If you watch these shows in the seventies, um, that, you know, that, that one really stuck with me because of that sort of incongruous, like, I, I found it funny that you could be sure. Al of Arnold's and, and, you know, and, and still can just picture the actor in question delivering that line and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a chipper way. And, um, so I put down Arnold and Al, um, since we had to give both of the first names of the two characters, um, I, I remembered there like this, I have to say this question spells out the whole thing. Yeah. If Thorsten really wanted to be mean, he could have just put the first 
you know, a sentence plus the give the respective first names. Yeah. But it kind of clarifies that clearly this is a business establishment and the only one that's prominent in the show is Arnold's where everybody, you know, all the teens kind of mm-hmm. get together and, and have shenanigans and and so on. Um, and I think Fonzie lived like in the garage next door or the apartment I, I above the garage feel like next door. like at some point he did. He lived with the Cunninghams for a while. I think he lived yeah, you know, yeah. at or near Arnold's as well at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was very central to a lot of the goings-on okay. of the show. That and the the house set mm-hmm. for, you know, the Cunningham family. Um, so, yeah, this is this is definitely like a whole bunch of memories that spool out <laughs> from reading this question. And I did know that it was Arnold and Al. And it does say respectively in the question. Oh. So presumably Al and Arnold will not be accepted. Oh, I don't know. Um, and and that made me, that, that was the real pause on this one for me was mm. trying to remember, like, I, I remembered that the, the big Italian guy was Al. Mm-hmm. But did I remember that? Because to me, Al seems a lot more likely to be a nickname, at least, of a gentleman named Takahashi in the 1950s. Yeah, fair. Uh, I believe played by Pat Morita. Yes. And I believe played more Japanese than Pat Morita actually is. Like, that I don't remember. I, but... I recall him having uh, sort of the Mr. Miyagi kind of accent. Ah, uh, yeah. Where Pat Morita, in his in his regular speaking voice, did not have mm. uh, a, a Japanese accent. He, was, I believe, he was born in Hawaii, possibly oh, okay. even in California. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, so kind of was always playing that up, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of, and, and I kind of had to reconcile, well, would he be named Arnold? That seems like an odd name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just, I remembered so strongly that Al Del Vecchio was Al mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. I, I forced myself to admit, yes, it was Arnold Takahashi sold the place to Al Del Vecchio. And yep. I said, Arnold Al. And that was the correct answer. Uh, in that sequence, I mean, I feel like it would be awfully mean to ask for both and, and make you give them an order. But it says I, respectively, I, I, that may mean in the right order. I, yeah. It may, may or may not. I don't know. Hopefully, I, I would hope for more generous scoring than that personally. Um, because that's asking for a level of detail about the show like that I remember, but just remembering that there was an Arnold and an Al mm-hmm. is, is remembering kind of a lot yeah. of detail. It's, it's, it's a, yeah. It, it is definitely not a huge detail about what was a huge show. Yes. But it's it's very much like, you know, name the other employee of Central Perk on Friends who was not Gunther. <laughs> like, okay, there probably was one, but, you know, how often did they come up? Yeah. But we'll see. Indeed. Because I know at least one person who said Al Arnold. Mm. That'll be interesting we, to, we will see to find they, out. We'll yeah. see how they perform. Okay. Question four uh, is probably going to cause some consternation on the boards. Mm. It has definitely caused some consternation amongst our friend group. <laughs> it asks us for the psychological condition in which a hostage uh, comes to uh, be on the side of the hostage taker. Right. And what city is that named after? Uh, and so this is about Stockholm Syndrome, uh-huh. which is 
really pretty debatably a real condition. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to be real evidence-based or, um, you know, it's considered to be, you know, infused or biased by sexism. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, it's not in the DSM. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but yeah, I I did know that this was uh, sort of posited about this bank robbery that took place in Stockholm. Um, And in fact, in Sweden, it's known by a different name of the specific area of Stockholm, as opposed to the actual city, because that's too, like that wouldn't quite pinpoint it enough for Swedish people who are largely living in Stockholm. Um, And so, yeah, uh, that plus having the last name that I do... (laughs) Uh, any any things that reach the pop culture that involve a home uh, syllable in them are probably going to be pretty salient for me personally. So uh, I put down Stockholm. Yep. Uh, I, I figured this as I was reading it. And uh, of course, I remember it because of Die Hard. Mm. I don't, that's I, <laughs> I remember it independently of Die Hard, but that was a great little bit when they were discussing it on the, on the news. <laughs> While discussing the hostage situation, and the and the bloviating anchor says, "Of course, that's named after Stockholm, Finland." <laughs> I did not remember that. Yes. So, so you got another reason to remember things besides wrestling and sieve. Yes. And Die <laughs> every, Hard. Every the now three and then, t- cultural hard, touchstones. Yeah, that's basically the three things that I care about culturally. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was that, and as you mentioned, it is. Uh, uh, largely dismissed because it is often applied in a very sexist manner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's said to be the reason that abused women stay with their abusive partners. Yeah. And, and therefore they, so it can, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's often kind of used as a, uh, a means of denying their agency and mm. dismissing their, you know, what's, things that are actually going on there yeah blaming the victim and you know pointing out that uh, in many ways our society is set up to make it relatively easier for a man to essentially imprison and abuse a woman Mm -hmm. Uh, and dealing with those parts of our society is a lot harder than just say oh she's got stockholm syndrome it's right clearly she's crazy yeah it uh i i read up on this a little bit to to get up to speed on that, because I hadn't really read about the controversy around it. Mm-hmm. And it mentions in the Wikipedia article that this original case here of the group held hostage in a bank, um, that some of their response that was seemed more sympathetic to the hostage takers was because they got a really horrible response from the authorities who were responding to this incident and trying to, you know... Um, uh, rectify it or whatever uh, one of them had spoken on the phone to um, someone in the Swedish government who said well you know you're you're just going to have to take this as a an instance where you know you're you're dying in service to the country wow. yeah so like being uh-huh. disaffected <laughs> right yeah that, that with, would do it with the authorities' response to these situations might be a pretty big factor in, mm-hmm. um, you know, sympathizing the, with anyone else. Yeah, sympathizing with anyone else, 
and and sometimes the feelings people have are a lot more mixed about the hostage takers like it's not that they're saying oh they're all totally good but perhaps you know seeing the humanity in them versus uh versus not mm -hmm. so uh yeah pretty it, to present it kind of uncritically like this is a little uh yeah not great yeah, i think be is, is the main thing be question five asks us for a term in literature for the use of an incorrect word in place of one it resembles for comic effect and notes that it comes from a character in a 1775 comedy whose name is taken from a french phrase uh, so my first thought was spoonerism Mm. Um, then I thought, no, spoonerism is the transposition of sounds between words. Right. Um, particularly initial sounds. Uh, so I had to think, okay, what's the what's that thing where you use you're using the wrong word? It, and I know it was a it was a woman in the play. It was Mrs. It served with an M. Oh, malapropism. Okay, mm. that's it. That was about as long as it took, thankfully. Oh <laughs> wow! Boy, if I had not latched onto that, it would have killed me. <laughs> Yeah, this one, um, I it took me a good while to let it percolate. Um, I had to, um, I, I it was a term that I knew that I would know, you know, as soon as I saw it, or if I really gave myself a chance to just unspool and think about it. Um, and I spent a little time, perhaps too much time, trying to think of like an appropriate French phrase that everybody would know that would lead me to it, like je ne sais quoi, or c'est la vie, or l'esprit d'escalier, or voulez-vous coucher avec moi? <laughs> like, the, you know, none of that helped, of course. Um, but I uh, just kind of let it go for a while. Like I, I've been tending to do lately is just, you know, um, look at it first thing in the morning, think about it as far as I can, just, you know, kind of get all those circuits um, activated, I guess, and then come back to it. And oftentimes things will pop right in there. Um, I feel like one popped right in while we were talking at some point, like this one is the one that I said something about. I, I can't remember when we were, you asked me if we'd, uh, we'd we're taking a walk around the block mm -hmm. and you had asked me prior to that if I had submitted or at the beginning of the walk. And I said, no, uh, I'm still pondering a couple of them. And then this one just kind of popped right into my head. Um, cause I thought of, of Spoonerism as well. And I knew that wasn't right. Cause I know who that's named after. I know it's an English person and so on. Um, and I know that it's the transposition, not the same thing. So, um, it just kind of popped in my head like, oh yeah, that's a malapropism. And it reminded me like in a way that kind of secured the question for me, um, that I had read about it being named after a character like this, like it, I, that, that made me go, Oh yeah, it's Mrs. Malaprop or whatever lady Malaprop or whatever it was. Um, and so, yeah, that, that kind of cemented it, like just, you know, let the little, the little homunculus go back to the filing cabinet in the right place in my brain <laughs> and pour through everything until, I came back and, you know, made its way back to my consciousness and said, here, here's the file you're looking for. Um, it's the malaprop file. And so uh, I also put down malapropism. I'm not sure if it's malapropism or malapropism. I, I feel like I've heard it both I've ways. I've heard it malapropism, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, and it kind of, you know, I don't even know what the French phrase is that was being sought here. 
Um, I assume it's something about something being poorly fit or not appropriate, um, which helps, you know, make it sort of memorable or make it sensible for this, um, this usage that it's trying to describe. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did appreciate the, the inclusion of the phrase, uh, from that comedy about a a person being the very pineapple of politeness. (laughs) I thought that was was charming because it's supposed to be pinnacle. Um, and so that was an excellent example of what we're going for here. So, um, I, I enjoyed this question, especially once I actually figured it out. <laughs> and just for the record, as when I asked you whether you had uh, finalized for the day, mm-hmm. you said no. We stopped talking about it. Oh, yes. So we were not discussing the the question no. or you know, anything like that. We we stay away from that even if... Because I had, I had submitted at that point. I knew that I was correct, but I... Mm-hmm. We, we don't even, like, read them out verbally in front of each other if the other person hasn't uh, uh, hasn't answered yet or vice yeah. versa. Because we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to, uh, like, if, if I'm still trying to think of something and I'm just saying things and trying to see what lands, I don't want you to accidentally give something away by your reaction. Oh, yeah. Like I'm no. Clever Hans or something. But yeah. <laughs> um, so just wanted to clear that up. We... I had asked on the way out the door. You said no. We talked about other stuff while oh, walking yes. around the block, and you just kind of had one of those "oh uh, yeah" moments while we weren't talking. So yeah, I might have muttered that, but mm-hmm. I uh, didn't talk any further about it whatsoever. You didn't respond. Not, not the word itself, but you, to that, you you definitely had a reaction where I was like, "Oh, she just got one." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it was not discussed right. in any way right. at that point until after submitting. Yep. Question six asks us for a name that may evoke pastries and such, but actually belong to a teacher, uh, particularly of musicians. Yes. It notes that this person is a Parisian woman, uh, renowned as a composer, organist, and conductor, and then lists the people that she taught. Aaron Copeland, Daniel Barenboim, Philip Glass, Quincy Jones, of all people, and Lennox Berkeley, who I don't know who that is. Um... But so when we're we're asked to give her name that is somehow associated with pastries and breads, um, that she's from Paris. And so we're looking for presumably a name with some French uh, root to it. Um, And so at the same time, you know, because Josephine Baker exists (laughs) and you think of her you know, in the 20th century in Paris for certain, um, that was a first thought that I had, but I thought, no, I think this has to be, um, you know, because of the way the career of this person is described. I don't think Josephine Baker was a composer, an organist, a conductor per se. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, those were not her fortes if, if she dabbled in those areas at all. Um, or a teacher of these people, for that matter. Uh, and so I went back, and this was, you know, as I'm trying to work things out, like I had kind of settled on answers for the first four questions and was felt pretty good about them. But the malapropism and this question I set aside. Um, and it's kind of funny that they're both kind of, they have this French connection to them, so to speak, um, that they, they share in common. So I let this one 
go and percolate as well. Um, cause I've been trying to think of, you know, my, my in for this was going to be the evoking pastries and breads part of the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, my early morning brain, when you, when I'm asking a category question like that, just does that sort of white noise thing where like, that's too big of a, um, a, a, an ask to pick out of the ether. If, if that makes any sense, like, if you say, you know, name 10 actors who are on uh, um, comedies and dramas or something like that. Like that's that's too many possibilities. J- the brain just kind of locks up for a while. Um, but it's the kind of thing it letting you letting it cl- clear the working memory, clear that out of working memory and things will happen behind the scenes to make those connections because it's like you're setting a, maybe it's more like a, um, a, a Rube Goldberg machine in motion where, you know, lots mm-hmm. of different mm-hmm. little, you know, uh, balls or whatever have to roll down different tracks and get kicked by little rubber boots and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and so much like with uh, malapropism, this one kind of popped in later as I was looking to try to fill out the actual uh, response form, the answer form. And <clears throat> the, like, the same homunculus finally went back in the files and went, okay, the places where breads and pastries are sold are patisseries, boulangeries, like, the, you know, this is sort of a stealth food and drink and language question, um, you know, which is great for someone for whom those are two great categories for me, classical music, not so much. So, um, when I considered those, I thought, what could, could a last name be like patissiere? Could it be boulangere? Oh, that sounds kind of familiar. Like, I feel like that's, I've, I've seen that as a surname somewhere maybe like I, I'm not sure I could even articulate where I thought I had seen this in retrospect I probably read just enough about Quincy Jones that this might have been mentioned um, as, as part of his background um, but in any case I thought boulanger that sounds you know reasonable um, if we're talking pastries and breads that makes a little more sense than patissiere because I think that's you know, specifically more like pastries than, um, than bread baking or whatever. Um, and so just very dubiously thinking I, you know, at least this will sound sort of literate as an Mm. answer, uh, for this question. I put down boulangere. Uh, I went through the same sort of trying to knock it loose. Um, but I could only come up with patisserie. As the mm. other one, and I, I just figured that I, patisse didn't make any, mm. any notches in in my memory, and patisserie didn't seem like it would be a person's name either. Hmm. Um, so I just I, I punted to Josephine Baker because, ah. you know, it it fulfills at least the the first part of the question, mm-hmm. even though I was mm-hmm. fairly certain that it did not uh, fulfill the rest of it. So oh well. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, uh, she was very multi-talented and probably could have received a punt uh, 
and run it back pretty well. So, uh, but the answer was in fact Boulanger. Making Boulanger, well done. How about that? Which means that I, on day twenty-four, beard it. Yay. Hooray! So I'm I'm very giddy about that. Um, I think I have a good chance of, you know, being back in that top ten zone, which is kind of mm-hmm. what I was trying to envision for myself uh, last season. And so I'm pretty, pretty chuffed about that. Um, Cause especially that last one was really a very like use all my faculties to pull something <laughs> that I didn't know that I sort of knew. And yeah, I think that one's um, going to be very heavily defended. Mm-hmm. I would guess so. Um, and like these other ones, I think maybe the next toughest one might possibly be Arnold and Al, especially depending how it's scored. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, gosh, if you only watched like the latter half of Happy Days, then you'd be like, well, who the heck was, you know? Yeah, it was this Takahashi gentleman. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it's even to the point of like Arnold could be someone's last name. Sure. So you don't even necessarily know like the original... Yep. Arnold was a Japanese person. Maybe a Japanese person bought this restaurant that was Arnold's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that has a potential to trip people up a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty pleased with that last one. That's that that's some good brain power manifesting right there. Yep. Um, so you were at five. Five's pretty good. But I have a feeling it's going to be six points. <laughs> that was a real easy one to three for me. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. With the with the other category involved not mm. being in the top half either. Yeah. Oh, so, well. But um, yeah, at least you know we're both finishing pretty strong. <laughs> as I mean, you've had your few beers in the past week or so, yeah. which is great. Finishing strong is great if you haven't been absolutely. Well. <laughs> hammer pellet piled for the previous 18 <laughs> weeks ah or days yeah that's a bummer oh well but uh that's it for today tune in tomorrow for the final post-game analysis of the season or possibly post-mortem analysis of the season and remember don't forfeit don't cheat